In today's episode, we're discussing how we handle chores and allowance, and we'll be highlighting some numbers from a 2021 survey on allowance. Can you guess what the most lucrative chore is? Hey everyone, welcome to the Papi Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. As my kids get older, we've been struggling with how to handle allowance and chores, and I've spoken to a number of other parents to get a sense of what they're doing, and, and Jim is included in that group. And I, you know, I know that there's some families that don't pay for chores because you know that's what you're expected to do as a family member. That's your contribution. And I know other families that that pay for chores because they feel that that sort of replicates the real world, you know, pay for work model. Um, you know, I've talked to another family that they divide their child's allowance into three parts, saving, spending, and charity. And so today we thought we'd discuss how we've implemented chores and allowance and how we think about money as it relates to our kids. And so maybe just to give a little bit of background, here's my deal. Uh, I'm obviously a dad. I've got two kids. I have a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old, a four-year-old son. Yeah. And I'm Jim and I got a seven-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter. So just to kind of give some background, you know, we, we looked for some surveys and we found one from Rooster Money and it's their 2021 allowance report. And they talked to parents with kids aged between four and 14 across the U.S. And this is what they found. So 66% of parents give their children a regular allowance. And that allowance ranges from $4.56 for the four-year-olds up to $11.50 for the older kids, the 14 year olds. Overall, kids earned an average of $8.75 a week and they saved 45% of that. Now, one sort of caveat with this report is that Rooster Money is an app that allows parents to manage their children's money, allowance and chores and those kinds of things. And it's a little unclear whether the Rooster Money simply asked their own customers, uh, in which case, you know, the type of people, the type of kids are getting you know, learning about money. So they're probably more likely to save because we did find another survey that dealt in true, you know, with older kids, but in that survey up to, I think, you know, 20 years old, those kids were only saving about 3%. So there's going to be some variation in terms of how much kids are saving here. But within this rooster money report, what they found again on the lower end of the spectrum was the most common chores the kids are doing things like cleaning their room, making the bed, looking after pets, doing laundry, and cleaning the bathroom. And the most lucrative chores were mowing the lawn, which parents were paying out $7.83 on average, washing the car, $6.42, raking the leaves, $4.26, gardening, $3.09, and help making dinner at $3.07. And then one thing that I thought was interesting, because I didn't grow up this way, but some parents are paying for school-related activities. So those kids were getting $12.57 on average for good grades and then $5.38 for doing homework. So with that sort of as a backdrop, Jim, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your philosophy on, you know, money and, and giving your kids money and, and how you guys think about it? Before we do, I wanted to ask about this. I, this isn't a budgeting podcast, obviously, but what is the benchmark for savings? Is it 15%? I mean, just for a general rule of thumb budget? Uh, you know 10%? what? I, I don't know. I think I think you know part of it is it's changed as right. things have just gotten more expensive, you know. And so I, I think it's probably a moving number. I, I I don't know what it is at this point. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's actually something that would be interesting to look up. But I, I think, think three three percent for charity is pretty. That's a good rule of thumb, right? One percent. Yeah, it's somewhere around there. I mean, you know, if we go back to the three percent 
that I was mentioning, that was three, they were saving 3% of their money versus saving 45% of their money. But yeah, and I think, you know, all parents are slightly aligned differently. So the, the, the family that I know that does the um, saving spending charity, I think they're doing 20% charity, but it's Mm -hmm. off of like a $6 base, right? So it's not, you know, we're not talking huge sums, but you know, as a percentage, right, we're still talking in percentages. And so I think, you know, all families are a little bit different in terms of where they want to stick that percentage. Mm-hmm. Well, we, my wife and I have talked about this. We wanted to start early. Obviously, money is such a big deal of everything, right? And I want them to understand very early what it means to have money, how you can spend something. You know, it's a good way to start with math, even mm-hmm. uh, with the younger one sorting out coins and papers and recognizing the number on the dollar bills and things like that. But more importantly, other than just that sort of mechanical education, numerical education, there's also the idea of, you know, how much does something cost? And it's a difficult thing to explain to a kid. You know, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Well, Mm -hmm. because it's expensive. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we got to go down to first principles and kind of, kind of get there. Um, But the, other than the numerical stuff, and I think you had mentioned this uh, earlier, the idea of delayed gratification, Mm -hmm. that's something that's been really key. You know, they've got a a little bit that they get every week. They can spend it on, you know, a pack of gum, let's say Mm -hmm. this week and have it right now or save for two weeks or three weeks for that thing that they want, the bigger toy. And it's been really satisfying to see that work and really see them make a conscious decision to save and to buy something that they really want. Yeah, on our end, I think you know what we're trying to accomplish are very similar in terms of our goals. You know, one is going to be that delayed gratification, and that is a life skill that some adults still don't have, right? So I think, in as much as we can get to the kids early on and start helping them out, and you know, I think. It can be a little bit of a challenge at that age, but but still to kind of help them understand that delayed gratification piece. And, you know, one thing we're doing right now is uh, my daughter's starting to save for our next trip, which at this point feels like it's probably a year away, you know, with, with everything that's going on. But I, I still want to start getting her thinking about, hey, the next time we go on a big trip, you know, here's some money that you can set aside. Because the last time we went on a big trip, there were some serious meltdowns about, look, well, you know, you've already spent your money. And you know, she was five at that time. And so we really hadn't started yet on teaching her about money. And, and there were some, I mean, some very big time meltdowns in stores about like, well, I want to mm-hmm. buy that. And why can't I do that? And so this is starting to lay some of that groundwork for the next trip to say, well, hey, remember, you saved all this money up. And this is now, this is delayed gratification, right? This is why you save that dollar every week or whatever, because here we are, 52 weeks later or whatever, and, and now you've got something to spend. So that's a big one. The other thing that I wanted to also work on with them was the concept of compound interest and just interest mm-hmm. in general, right? Like how that all works and knowing that, you know, let's save a little bit and it'll c- keep growing. And there is another parent that we talked to, I think their deal was like, they gave the child something like maybe $5 every week. And if they didn't spend it, they would get $10. And uh, so, I mean, it was, at an extreme level, yeah, right? understanding yeah. compound interest, but it made the point for the child. And, and so I thought that was an interesting way of bringing in the concept of, of interest. And then, you know, the last thing is that sort of wants versus needs, which I, I remember growing up, my dad, you know, do you really need that? Or mm-hmm. is that a want? Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, I mean, 16 year old me, 18 year old me, like money was just came in and right out, you know, the next minute. And so I guess I'm becoming my dad and really trying to work on that. And, and it is tough, right? I mean, it's a seven-year-old. So it's, 
wants versus needs is still a little tricky. Everything is a, everything is a need at this point, but at least starting to introduce the concept of wants versus needs. And I think, you know, having, giving them some money is that conduit for sort of forcing those conversations to happen. So those are kind of the three, the three big things that we were looking to do. Now, Jim, if, you know, do your kids have an allowance and, and if they do, is it, is it tied to doing chores? You know, how did, how do you guys think about that? We've separated the money from the chores because we feel it's important to just have, there's some responsibilities and some obligations that you have as a family member Mm -hmm. and learning how to pick up them uh, after themselves. That's obviously a life skill that we need to teach and it's easier on my wife and I as well. And so by separating those two things, I think we have two different lessons. Uh, We've started giving a dollar their age. They get a dollar for however old Mm -hmm. they are uh, once a week. And we have a family meeting on Sunday night. We deliver the, uh, you know, some cash and we count it out and make sure that they know how it is, have them get their wallet and see uh, how much money they have already. Mm-hmm. And we count it out, but it's not, but it's just a gift. Essentially mm-hmm. it's a gift. It's an allowance that they can use to, you know, do all the things that we're talking about. The uh, seven-year-old wants to make a big purchase. She wants to buy a playhouse and it's several hundred dollars. I don't wow. exactly know how much it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was collaborating with a friend and they were going to, you know, do things to raise money for the playhouse. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage those sorts of things. And I think I told her I'd, I'd match her dollar for mm-hmm. dollar. So if she could raise half of it, I'd pay the other half. Mm-hmm. And so that's, those are kind of ad hoc chores or tasks or things. And they're usually at her suggestion. She's got, you know, I could do this and how much will you pay me for that? We mm-hmm. kind of work out of a deal. So, but generally speaking, the, the allowance is not tied to any sort of domestic labor. That's a, you mm-hmm. know, they should be learning how to pick up themselves after all. Yeah. You know, on our end, we don't, we don't have an allowance set up yet. And I, that's, it's not really a function of we've sort of proactively decided not to give them allowance. It's really a function more of, I think a lot of families fall into very easily into one of two camps, right? Like yours of, you know, you're a member of the family and you do the things you do because you're a member of the family. That's what's expected. You're, you know, you're going to whatever, wash the dishes or, you know, whatever those things are. And then right. The other side of the spectrum is, well, I, I pay you to do the chores and here are the things that you do. If you do these things, you get paid. If you don't do these, then I'm not, you know, then you don't get the full amount of mm-hmm. allowance. And so I think a lot of families fall sort of very naturally into one of those two camps. And so it's very easy for them to say, this is the thing that we want to do for our family. And my wife and I have been talking about this for, I don't know, years now, and we still haven't quite come up with something that feels sort of organically right. I think we also are on the side of like, look, you, there are certain things you do because you are a member of the family. I'm not going to pay you to do the dishes. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, we're kind of like, well, do we just give them money? And and we, we just haven't really come to grips with what that means yet for us. So it's, it's less that we've actively said, we're not going to give her allowance and more that we, we still struggle with it. <laughs> um, and, you know, one thing though, that we, um, that we do do is that our daughter, the way that she earns money is primarily through one-off jobs, like things like washing the car. And I'll get into a little bit about how we're doing that now. And so there is, you know, effectively some of these are things that she does get paid for on a weekly basis, simply because that is the cadence of the activity. Um, And as long as she accomplishes that, then she gets paid. So it, it is sort of an allowance in that respect, but it's not like, it's not part of the family it's not part of what you would do because you're part of the family. It's not like right, you're getting paid right. to, you know, to wash the dishes and stuff like that. And one thing I thought was interesting, and we discussed this a little bit more, and I'd love to hear more about your thoughts, is 
the pay for grades thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to pay for grades. I didn't grow up paying for grades. My, my parents were very against that. And, and Jim, you know, in talking before and just sort of prepping for the podcast, you had said that you did grow up getting paid for grades. And I'm curious to know, um, you know, I assume you also got an allowance and you got paid for grades. I'm curious, it's like, you know, whatever 14 year old you, was that motivating for you? And then if so, I guess I'm wondering if, if you plan to continue that with your kids. Yeah, I have to give it some thought because it is, it was a strange, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it, I think. I think I got some benefits to it, but it was also kind of weird in that particularly as a younger kid, that's a, talk about delayed gratification. You know, you've got to keep the eyes on the ball. I don't know how long a semester is when you're, you know, in fourth grade or whatever, but it's yeah. a long time until you get your grades. And so it's harder to think, you know, that, that reward I think was too far removed from mm -hmm. a day-to-day -day sort of activity. As I got older in high school, it's a little bit easier because you do really great on your exams, right? You do the, the final exam and you can, you know, have a reward that way. And I think my parents wanted to instill the idea that that was our job, you know, when we're kids and when we're in school and even college, mm -hmm. that is our job. Our job is supposed to be learning. That's why we're mm -hmm. there. And so I think tying the reward to that activity is helpful and it, you know, helped me understand that there was value in what I was doing above and beyond just passing the test. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I'll have to talk it over with my wife and figure out if we're going to do it for our kids. I think I, I'd offered to do it for my nephew, actually. And mm -hmm. I think for some reason that petered out, but uh, I guess probably I want to continue the tradition, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I remember having a conversation with my parents when I was younger, and I, I don't even know how it came up about, you know, getting paid for grades and their take on it was, you know, effectively, you should be motivated by wanting to do a good job. Right. And, you know, that that's, that's your job. So but it, yeah, I mean, they're just philosophical differences. And it's always interesting to hear kind of how people come to their, you know, their philosophy. And, and so I was really interested. I, I, I also, you know, I knew a guy who actually, I think it was his uncle or grandfather was like, look, if you get a certain amount of grades, you know, for certain GPA, mm -hmm. I'll just pay for your way through, through college. Like it's, it's on me. If you, if you hit those goals, you know, so that's really, I mean, great. That's right? more for mom and dad, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a scholarship. Well, I think, you know, I don't know where his parents were financially. Right. And so it could have been yeah. one of these deals. Like, look, if you, if you get a certain GPA, I will guarantee that whatever school you get into will be paid for, you know, yeah. by me. And I, I remember that <laughs> at the time, uh, I, it, it was not motivating for him at all. <laughs> but, I mean, he was just a super smart guy. And he, you know, he's just one of these guys that could just kind of get away with stuff because he was just, just gifted, just smart. So he never really had to study and he, he didn't take, the, he didn't take the bait at the end, but I thought it was, uh, you know, an interesting, an interesting motivation um, and an interesting way of kind of tying money with, you know, your, your activities at school. So you, uh, I think Jim said you were doing, uh, from an allowance perspective, it's a dollar a week per for year. each per year. I'm yeah. curious, how did you how did you come up with that? Because I've seen that come up in a couple other places, and I'm like, that's actually because that's always something that we struggle with too, right? Is it's not just like, do you do an allowance? How much do you how give much? them? And so I'm curious as to how you guys kind of came up with that and how you decided that that was kind of made sense for you. Yeah, I think it's going to have to be arbitrary, right? Mm -hmm. Got to come up with a number somehow. And I think it was my wife that came up with that plan. She probably read it on a mother's blog or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it works. And what's really interesting is when the birthday happens and mm -hmm. suddenly they're going, guess what? You got to raise, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. $6. You're now earning $7. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just feels about right, you know, for the five-year-old, $5 a week to learn what to do with it and do mm -hmm. what you like with it. 
and it just felt right. You know, mm-hmm. any, any more. And I think it just gets to be kind of ludicrous. You know, I mean, we're talking about buying small toys and pieces of candy and things like that. We don't, they're not saving for an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yet. Yeah. I, you know, I think one thing that I like about that is also, you know, what I struggle with sometimes is how do you explain to the younger one that, you know, the older one's getting more money. And I think this is just sort of a natural, it just makes the conversation easier, right? Like, well, right. And when you're seven, you'll get $7 too. And so you, there's a little bit less of like the, well, that's not fair. Why does she get this? Or, you know, the older one going, well, why does he get the same amount of, you know, and it just sort of builds in this natural, I think, uh, logical explanation for the kids. Like, okay, that makes perfect sense. So I I like that. And I, I think I'll be talking to my wife about that, that trick. You know, on our end, you know, I, I said we don't have allowance, but the way that we come up with sort of the price points for the jobs that we look at is we kind of have an understanding of like roughly the kinds of things that she wants to buy and the rough price points. They're usually, you know, like 10 to 20 bucks. And, you know, again, with that concept of the delayed gratification, we've sort of built the pricing such that she can't buy anything by just doing one single job. And the jobs generally are things where you can't do the job twice in a day. So like if it's washing mm-hmm. the car, you can't wash the same car twice in a day. You know, so, you, <laughs> so you sit, well, I mean, you could, I suppose, but we're not paying you the second time around. And so, um, you know, it, it, it still allows for that buffer of saying, okay, well, if you want to buy that thing, you wash the car this week. And when you wash it next week, you can mm-hmm. buy it. Or in some cases, it's like, well, if you really want to do it, you got to go talk to grandma and get them to drive their car over here. And that's on you to kind of work out those logistics and kind of making her work for it a little bit. But generally, it's it's really designed to sort of spread things out to just sort of build in again that 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 delay gratification. What just curious? What is the price point? What's the general sort of dollar amount that you think your daughter would spend? So it generally is ten to twenty bucks. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. um, uh, right now she's into um, Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. So, but she hasn't bought any. She, 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 she's able to get free cards from her friends. So <laughs> that's great. But like, you know, there's uh, twisty pets is a big thing. And then, you know, like just like little random things mm-hmm, that they play with right. like one or two times. And you're like, you just right. dropped 20 bucks for something that you interacted with once. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's, we'll get into a little bit about that. Actually, that's the next question I have, but, but yeah, so it's generally about 10 to 20 bucks seems to be mm-hmm. roughly the price point that she's at. There are maybe a few things that are around the $7, but it's usually 12 to 15, I think is if I had to guess, that's really it. Yeah. And that's the five and the seven works really well for that because our daughter's mm-hmm. about the same point. It's about $10, you know, $10, $12, $20 is probably getting the really sweet toy and they can't do that right. week. So that mm-hmm. promotes the delayed gratification. Right. And I think, yeah, that's, that's how we just force that delayed gratification. If you want it, you know, right. there's no way to earn this yeah. short of spending a few, a few weeks to, 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 to accomplish the task. So this actually leads me to another question that I had is when your kids get money, do you have any restrictions or limitations on, on how they spend their money? And I'm also curious how the spending habits of your five-year-old differ from your seven-year-old. And if you maybe direct them a little bit and if that is by age, right? If you're like, well, I don't, you might not want this versus the seven-year-old, like you can do whatever you want. But with the five-year-old, it's like, well, are you sure you want, you know, so how do you approach that? We, it's pretty laissez-faire. I think that, <laughs> I mean, they're kids, you know, toys yeah, and yeah. candies. And, and usually, you know, to your point, there are some toys that the toys that they're going to buy for $5 or $7 or $10, those are not, those don't have a lot of longevity. Those right. are, 
you know, toy play, and then they end up under the bed and we throw them out three weeks later mm-hmm. or three months later, however, however it is, but uh, they can spend it on whatever they like. So long as it's within reason, I mean, they're not buying smokes or anything <laughs> like that. Um, and if there is the younger one, usually we'll just follow the older one's lead. So the older one wants this toy. And then, so the younger one wants it too. And, mm-hmm. you know, within the difference is $2 and we're talking about a couple of weeks, so you can probably get the same mm-hmm. thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, there have been a handful of items that the older one really wanted, really, really wanted. And they were probably three or four week or even five week toys. Mm-hmm. And I totally encourage that. You know, those were, yeah. it was less than, you know, we're in the store and we see something, I'm going to pick it up. Like she really earned it. She really wanted those things. But those have been kind of few and far between. I can think of maybe three off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and the younger one doesn't really follow in that those, those uh, sort of, path but the, the older one sometimes she gets her mindset on something and mm-hmm. go that's what it's for i i love the term five-week toy that's such a great way <laughs> to define things oh that's a three-week toy oh, that's a six-week toy but yeah i i like that right because it really sort of gives them a sense of like the 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 temporality of it right mm-hmm. all right five weeks and it's mine you know on, on our end yeah i think we're we're pretty open to how they want to spend Again, I think, you know, what we're trying to do is that sort of wants versus needs. And if you put too many guardrails then they're not really making any decisions. And so you can't, you can't learn from that. And so that's kind of a struggle that my wife and I go through. I'm like, you just, I know, we both know that she's not going to play with this after she opens it, but she has to be free to make that decision on her own because otherwise she's not learning anything. You know, we do have, so there's, there's just maybe sort of two or three rules. One rule is, so we don't do food. She can't buy food because we know she's going to go to junk food. So we're not, at this point, we're still kind of controlling that a little bit. So no food. The other thing we've learned the hard way uh, is no slime in the house. We still have walls (laughs) stained with slime and some bedding that like the slime just never came off. So what about glitter slime? And this is glitter. Yes. It's (laughs) terrible. I mean, this is, that is what people have done to punish parents, right? That's like a single parent. That's a single person that designed that. And was like, I'm going to, you know, this is going to wreak havoc on parents. But so yeah, slime, glitter slime, they can't buy that stuff. Uh, and then food and snacks. But outside of that, she's free to buy whatever you want. And then sort of the other, it's not really a rule, but the other sort of guide rail that we do have around spending is that when she does earn money from any of these job activities, that it goes, the money is sort of automatically split into four buckets. So we have a saving, spending, investing, and charity. So at, at this point, she doesn't have the ability to say, um, you know, of this, whatever $10, I want to spend this much on charity. We just, we make that decision. It's just broken down into percentages. And then at some point she'll be able to, you know, spend it. So we, we sort of just got started on this. And I think maybe, I don't know, once a quarter or maybe at the end of the year, then we would say, okay, well, what, you know, let's pick a charity that you want to contribute to and, you know, let's, let's go ahead and donate that money. So I think that's important to make that sort of kind of a big event, right. To, to make sure that she understands the, the purpose of charity and, and she feels like she has a decision in that charity process. So those are kind of the only guide rails that we do have around, around how she spends. So I guess the next thing that I'd love to talk to you about is what kind of chores do your kids do? How did you decide what those chores were and are they the same for each child? We're a little bit more lenient on the younger one. Uh, for example, cleaning the room, they share a room and the older one is frequently 
uh, upset that the younger one isn't, you know, she's the older one says she's doing all the work and you mm -hmm. know, the younger one isn't helping at all, but you know, we give her a little pass on that. I'll, I'll end up mm -hmm. cleaning up for the younger one. So the younger one's responsibilities are obviously less, but mm -hmm. they both set the table. That's something that they have to do. And particularly on Sundays, we have a very, you know, kind of not formal, but a very structured family dinner on Sunday nights. We have our family meeting mm -hmm. and they've got to set the table and then we all end up clearing it. We bought them some fish with the idea that they're learning responsibilities. That's obviously mm. not something we're going to pay them for, right? They right got to feed the fish. The fish got to stay alive. Uh, and then uh, taking care of their laundry. They, I mean, you know, little kids' clothes, oh, there's just so much of it. It's yeah. so tiny. Mm. And so they've got to put it in the dirty laundry and then carry it over to the laundry machine. And then, you know, that's oh, nice. that feels like they're contributing to that, that process. Mm. I'm curious, in your daughter's bedrooms, is the mess evenly distributed or is it like, so when you're older, it's like, well, I'm doing all the work, but is she the one that's doing most of the mess or is it the younger is it sort of split? No, they are like, what was it? The odd couple. You remember? I don't know. Oh, one, yeah, uh -huh. One's super neat and the other one's uh -huh. not. So the, the older one is pretty meticulous. She likes to have things in a certain way and, you know, bookshelves organized and things like that. And when she really gets going, her side of the room looks like, a, <laughs> you know, like a little, toddler magazine spread uh -huh, uh -huh. and the younger one is much more throw things everywhere so <laughs> there's a little bit of tension yeah. between the two of them uh and so like i say i'll, I'll help the younger one also in doing so helping the older one right, right okay and the, the reason the reason i ask is because so we kind of have a similar thing so the kids are responsible for cleaning the playroom in the bedroom so our house the there is no dining room. <laughs> the dining room is effectively the playroom. And we, we eat all of our meals in this little breakfast room. There's this tiny little <laughs> breakfast room. But it works. It works for us. But the playroom is a complete train wreck. I mean, it's if you imagine a four-year-old, it's literally one of these when he's looking for something, he's literally throwing <laughs> stuff in the air and it lands wherever it lands. And then he moves on to the next thing. And uh, for a while... On Sundays, it was like, all right, we're cleaning the house. And it was both of them. And the older one has kind of moved away from toys. She really is more into art projects and things like that. She's relatively contained, but the playroom is 90% toys. And, you know, there's Lego everywhere, which, I mean, that's a bane, right? But initially, both kids were responsible to clean that room up. And as I've it's really been very clear that it's the boy that's just wrecking that place. 90% of it is his mess. So the girl is a little bit less responsible for the playroom. She does have to help out, even though it wasn't her mess. Yeah. But, but the boy is mostly responsible for that. And then they clean. So they also share a bedroom and they, they do that together also. So yeah, our daughter has a little bit less responsibility in cleaning simply because she's not responsible for as much of the mess, but I mean, truthfully, if you think about realistically how much cleaning is going on, I would say it's maybe 70% me mm. <laughs> and then, you know, 20% the boy and 10% the girl. But, but I do make sure that he's engaged. It just, it takes him a while to get a thing accomplished, right? They just kind of dilly dally, but that's important. So they both do that. They both are responsible for cleaning the table after every meal. Uh, and then a, a new thing that we've been doing just the last couple of weeks is they're responsible for emptying the dishwasher. And part of that is just because I'm, I'm done with that. Like I'm sick yeah. of emptying the dishwasher and then starting to cook. And so I now that I've started to make that a thing, I try and time it so that the dishes are done when they're home uh -huh. uh, at the end of the day when they've got some time versus like 
doing it at the beginning of the day where they've got all this other stuff to do. So I, I try and make it so that it is optimal for them to actually get it done. And they're, they've split it up pretty well. Our son is really just starting to get used to it, but he knows where everything goes, but it's a new process and he seems to enjoy that. So that's good. And then the, our daughter is responsible for taking out the garbage. So what that means is primarily just going through the house and bringing all the garbage cans together, consolidating them. And then I'll take them down. And then actually our son likes to wheel the garbage cans outside with, with me. So that he's kind of helps there. He, he actually is capable of taking a garbage can out. So there's, we've got three here. So He'll take out one and I'll take the other two out. So he is effectively responsible for one of the garbage cans. Good on him. Right. He enjoys it. So that's, I, I enjoy it too. So, you know, you guys have an allowance. What are, and you sort of mentioned this, that your older one has these sort of one-off jobs. And I'm, I'm curious, like, what are the kinds of things that she comes up with? And then how do you guys determine how much you're going to pay for that? And how often does she come up with these things? I got to think, we were talking about the lemonade stand. Uh, but that's different. I think that I think she did propose washing the car. That's mm-hmm. frankly, it's not something I do very frequently anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. she had, excuse me, she had the idea, and yeah, I'll let her do it. You know, I think we negotiated a price of ten bucks or something like that. And that's great. You know, it's yeah. going to take her an hour or so, and and uh, it's a very finite fixed activity. Do the thing, put the stuff away, get the money. It feels like the right right sort of chore or job, I guess, right kind of job. Yeah, we uh, we do the same. Actually, we also do $10. $10 outside, they get five inside. And the reason I pay for this too is because my car literally go years without getting washed. So I'm like, mm-hmm. look, if you want to do it, like, great. I'll, because that's, I think I'm okay with paying her for things that I would not normally do. Or if I would do it, I like, I would get it outsourced by somebody else. So um, yeah, she wants to wash the car. And so she'll, she'll be like, hey, can we wash the car this weekend? Like, great. And I actually did, um, when we started, I'm like, okay, you want to wash the car? Great. In order to do that, there are some materials that you have to buy, and that's going to come out of your first few mm-hmm. car washes. So while I pay you 10 bucks, I'm only going to give you five for the first two weeks because you got to cover some of your main, you know, some of your material costs here. So they wash the car, and and sometimes she can just do the interior, which is faster and also requires less of my time, you know, because if we're going to wash the car, like. There's got to be a parent outside on the street to kind of keeps tabs. And then my daughter's tiny. So she's not, she can only get so high up on the windows and she's certainly not doing the roof. So, okay, daddy, you know, I got to get in there and help. And then, you know, I'm not going to have her go walk out into the street and do the street side of the car. So that's a little bit more labor intensive for me versus, Hey, if you just want to warn a quick five bucks, you know, you can vacuum the inside. They detail it. Like we got the little, um, uh, what is it like the the car slime i guess that you know you stick on to kind yeah. of clean out the, the crevices so she you know and then we've got the armor all protected so like it, there's a legitimate sort of mini detailing process when she cleans the interior and it takes like an hour for her to get through that and i'm like it looks great and you know we've got two kids and so the car's always a mess right so i'm fine if you want to do that every week and, and that seems to work out so the car wash is an easy one, but it's not a regular thing. The one that is regular that I sort of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast is my daughter's teaching uh, my mother-in-law English. So mm-hmm. she actually, when she comes to the state, she usually takes classes while she's here. But she, I, I I don't remember if it was my wife. I think it was my wife that was like, well, hey, why don't you just, you know, why don't you practice speaking with our daughter? And so she does get paid for that. And that there's like a regular schedule. It's every Monday and Thursday at I think it's at four o'clock and, you know, they both get on and they, t- I, oh, I was listening to a little bit of it today and 
I would say 90% of it is in English. And then when there are some challenges, my daughter will, will, will switch into my, my mother-in-law's native tongue to just kind of work out a few things and then they'll switch back into English. So that actually feels to me like there's some value for both parties. And so I think like that feels to me like it's an okay thing to pay for. Uh, and it's not like, well, you're part of the family. And so, you know, this is a job that you do as a family member kind of thing. It, it feels distinct enough that I can pay for it without feeling like, well, that's just an extension of like your duties as a, as a family member. And then the other thing that we're working on right now is an Etsy store. So my daughter had taken a number of jewelry classes and she started to design jewelry. And we're not talking like the Amazon, like, you know, plastic, you know, plastic beads and stuff like that. It's like legit, it's legit jewelry beading and stuff like that. And she's taken a number of classes. And so um, she's got a bunch of bracelets and necklaces that are set. It's mostly just, I have to get my side of the house done, which is sort of write up the little description and take all the photos. But I'm, I'm hoping that that will get her excited in the process of making something. And also I'm hoping that maybe there's a little bit of like entrepreneurship that sort of comes out that, you know, she starts to do. Um, it's funny. We have a friend and her niece uh, started a business where I think she's, she was selling slime to her classmates and like she was making a ton of money. She just go home and mix it up. And then she was taking orders at school and mixing it up at home and bringing it back to school. And I'm like, that's great. And this girl was, I don't know, I think she was in middle school or something like that or lower school. And I'm like, that's, I, you know, that would be awesome if my daughter could get that. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, maybe this Etsy store will start something with her. Who knows? Right. But I, that's another thing that we do. So the last thing that I wanted to ask you about was if you use any apps or anything else to help facilitate the chores. It sounded like you are actually giving out physical dollar bills. So are you like going to the bank like every month and just yeah. taking out like a bunch of singles or how are yeah, you doing think, that logistically? Yeah, we kind of slowed down. We, we were doing cash, but yeah, with COVID, nobody wants to use cash and they're not going anywhere mm-hmm. anyway, but. Yeah, the system that we had, and, and that I think that you use an app, but our, our system was they each have a wallet and they've got their coins in there, you know, money that maybe they got from the tooth fairy. And then they've got their bills the, that they get every week. And so we'll count it out, you know, $5, $6, $7 with the singles and the fives. And then you know, we'll count it all up and figure out how much money that they have, how much have they accumulated now. And then they put the money back in the wallet and then they put the wallet in a special place and then we can't find it next week. And so then we have to, <laughs> we have to go find it again and then do it all over again. So it's a very analog system, but it's mm-hmm. a system. Yeah, which is, you know, it's interesting because when we were first starting to think about how this worked, I was like, you know, physical money, that's, you know, that's what we want to do. And just, you know, as I was doing some research, I remember reading something where there was a parent that was like, look, our kids are not going to grow up with physical tender, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I don't carry any cash on me anymore, you know? And so this person's point was like, look, the kids are going to grow up with a virtual currency anyway. I mean, maybe not, not I'm talking like Bitcoin or anything like that, but you know, they won't have sort of tangible dollar bills in their hand. And so this parent's point was, well, then, you know, this is, this will just be normal for them. And so I, I did kind of go back and forth on that, but I was like, well, ultimately, I think part of it was just sheer the logistics too of like, well, you know, when she first started washing cars, I'm like, God, I don't have any money. And now I owe her this. And, but did I pay her that? And you just kind of lose track of stuff. So I did move to an app. I found uh, an app called the Greenlight app. And I chose it for a couple of different reasons, because there are a number of different apps there that help manage money. And, and, and the reasons I picked that were, again, they go back to sort of what we were trying to teach. And one was it allows parents to set 
interest within the app. So any on her savings account, we can set an interest rate. And so it's it's not coming from the app. It's coming from the bank of you know mommy and daddy. But it still allows us to teach her about compound interest and, and we control that. So that was something that I was looking for and not a lot of apps have that. And then the other thing that I've talked about was, you know, this sort of savings, investing, spending and charity. And the apps all have, you know, savings and spending generally. And, and, and I think most of them have charity, but also having this investing category that we wanted to have, you know, and, and having it all under one roof versus like, yeah, we could go out and get like an acorn account for her or something like that. But it just felt easier to have it all together. And again, because when she does earn money, we do sort of siphon off some of that money. Like it, when it hits her account, it just automatically disperses into those four groupings. Mm-hmm. And so it was just easier to kind of have it there versus saying, okay, well, you know, of the 10 bucks, now I got to assign one of these dollars to the acorn account. Yeah, it was just easier to have it all in one place. And so, you know, that's why we chose that. And that, that seems to go pretty well. And so what I do when she does earn money is it's like, okay, you know, why don't you come over here, watch me transfer the money? Because I think like you do, right. It is important for them to see sort of some change of state. Right. And because I can't give her the physical money to at least show her like, okay, uh, you just actually just, just, this, uh, just today I was paying her cause I missed the last Monday's payment on the, the English class. And I was like, okay, so you make five bucks per class, but one of those dollars goes into investing. And so, cause this, it's a small value. So the four that savings, investing, spending and charity is a little bit different for this one, but so one of those dollars goes into investing. And so now you have how many dollars, you know, how many dollars, if you do two, four, $4 classes are going to go into your savings account. And so, you know, we kind of have that process of helping her figure out, okay, I see that there is some new money into my account. And she does ask, she's like, how much money is in my account? And she does check on it, which, you know, I think is ultimately what we want to do too, is have her understand like, okay, last week you had this and this week you have that. And then look, look at the compound interest and how all that works. So I, for me, it was just an easier way to kind of show her how everything was all fitting together nicely versus okay every month we have to recount the money how much did you actually earn or like a spreadsheet it just was a little bit easier for me to manage and that's why we went that way so that was just a little insight into how we think about chores and allowance if you have any questions for us hit us up on the facebook page facebook.com that's p-a-p-a-e-s-t-f-a-t-i-g-u-e and we'll be sure to put all the links in the show notes Thanks for listening to the Papa Ifatige podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, please give us a review and don't forget to subscribe to get ideas and hear discussions around fatherhood. We'll talk to you next time.